Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, everyone. This is Doug Ferrara, Sports Illustrated, back with our good friend Greg Cosell of NFL Films and ESPN's NFL Matchup for another edition of the Chalk Talk Football Podcast. Now sponsored, by the way, by two very nice people who kicked in heavily to our Kickstarter campaign, which was uh, overly funded. Thank you very much for everyone who believes in the pods and allows the continuation of them. Uh, our first sponsor uh, through the draft series is WalterFootball.com. Proud to be a sponsor of the Chalk Talk Doug for our football podcast. For more draft information, including NFL mock drafts updated weekly, draft stock reports, fantasy football rankings, NFL picks, and much more, check out WalterFootball.com. And Jake Liskow, who doesn't have anything to promote, he just wants to be known as a supporter of the football arts, which, Greg, I think is a very nice title. I'd like to be a supporter of the football arts, wouldn't you? I would agree, but I have a question before we actually begin with the receivers. Yes, indeed. Is anything ever overfunded? Uh, well, no. But this, wait, we, oh. you know, you have a goal and people actually kicked in more, which is nice. Oh, I was just curious because you said we were overfunded. I, I, I didn't think that that was actually a um, concept that one could be overfunded. Yeah. Well, that, that's, I mean, we should have like an economics podcast I and mean, we could go on NPR or something like that. But. <laughs> Oh, that would be well above my uh, my simple mind. Yeah, it's certainly above my pay grade, which is a whole different story. But uh, as we are football guys, and uh, we're going to stick within our pay grade and talk about the draft class of receivers. And as I said before we got going, this is kind of the value pack of this draft class because you've got all sizes and shapes and really any kind of receiver you want down to the middle rounds, you can pretty much get them. And I, I, I wanted to start with a couple of questions about your evaluation process before we get into the specific guys. And I know we've talked about this question before, and I wrote an article um, during the Combine Week about this, and it, it kind of drives me nuts. It's, it's one of the hardest things to evaluate. So I'll just ask you, how do you evaluate receivers in college with grossly inaccurate and inconsistent quarterbacks? How do you have to how do you adjust your receiver evaluation when clearly a lot of the incompletions are not quote unquote his fault per se? Well, it's funny you ask that because you also have to then evaluate them based on the corners they're playing against very often yep. because uh, college corners, that that's one position where the, the difference between college and the NFL is extreme. So it's, it's difficult. Uh, and, and you again, as I always try to do, I try to look less at pure production uh, because production in college is a function of many things. A couple we've talked about lesser quality corners, offenses that are spread offenses with a lot of easy completions. So saying that a guy caught 90 balls for 1,400 yards doesn't really say anything. So, I, I, again, I try to look at traits, attributes, and characteristics. Now, here's where, and I don't know if people listening uh, feel the same way, but I always find now with this influx of bigger receivers, I find those receivers harder to evaluate mm-hmm. uh, because 
they're not necessarily explosive in their movements, but yet their size, their stride length, uh, very often it, it makes them more explosive than maybe a 40 time or just their movement that you see on film. So, and I'm struggling, and we'll get to that with a couple of, of these receivers in this draft, with a few of the receivers in this draft that I keep going back and forth on. I keep watching more and more of them. Uh, because I, I, I'm not sure exactly how I see them, and I'm not sure exactly how they fit in the NFL. I was re-watching Devontae Parker with Louisville against Florida State this morning, and there were a couple of times... As, as was I, by the way. And I was watching a couple of his catches, and I, I, the, my first immediate thought was, you cannot get away with that in the NFL. A, 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 an above-average NFL corner will not let you press against him and shove and get that kind of release from the boundary or release from the coverage in that way. And and that 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 thought has occurred to me a lot as I've been looking at receivers this year. Yeah, so it's it's difficult with with these taller receivers and and as we start with individual ones we'll certainly get get to that and expand upon what we're talking about but it's it's not that easy and you know sometimes you can be wrong on these guys you know keep in mind in the nfl what are we seeing a lot of uh, and every team is doing it now we're seeing a lot of back shoulder throws now i'm not saying you build an offense around back shoulder throws but we're seeing a lot of them when you agree yes and you know, very. You don't need to be a burner to catch a back shoulder throw. Size is very helpful on back shoulder throws. Body control, um, the ability to snatch away from your body. A lot of these guys have those traits. They're not necessarily explosive, but they have those traits. Uh, Devonte Parker may be one of those guys that has those traits. Uh, so you have to decide what, what does that mean as you project him and transition him to the NFL. Well, it's hard. I mean, you're you know, you're above average to good to great NFL quarterback is obviously going to be able to make that back shoulder throw plus or minus half a yard. It's really difficult getting back to my original question. It's really difficult to determine catch radius when a guy's trying to make a throw to a spot and you know this quarterback will never play in the NFL. He may have trouble in the CFL, but he has right. a couple of traits that fit that college team. And, you know, to be cruel about it, that's kind of all he's good for in that capacity. And every time he tries to make a back shoulder throw to the boundary to beat a specific kind of coverage, he throws it into section U. So you don't really know. It's funny you say that because the thing that stands out to me, the two positions that probably stand out to me when I start watching college tape right after I spend, you know, my six, seven months watching all NFL, and of course I've been watching NFL tape for well over 20 years, college tape for less, but the two positions that stand out to me as being not very good when I watch college tape are quarterback and corner. Mm Mm-hmm. So those positions directly affect the wide receiver position, obviously. So it kind of plays into what you were saying. Yeah, I think with with cornerback, well, this, this goes into my next question I wanted to ask before, because uh, we'll talk about this when we get to cornerbacks. <laughs> uh, right. And we've discussed quarterbacks. But in coverages, what are the main things college receivers will have to adjust to in the NFL? What do I mean? We know that the windows are tighter. We know the release points are uh, less. We know that the breathing room. You know, it's you got a higher altitude. It's just less oxygen coverage wise, so to speak. But what right. are the things you notice every year that are consistent when you're a college receiver 
you hit the NFL, and there's a, a laundry list of things. I didn't have to – wait a minute. What, what the hell? I didn't have to deal with this when I was at West Virginia. How, why? What's going on here? Well, first of all, on a very simple note, you have to deal with far better man-to-man coverage. Yep. It's just better. Well, far, more, far better and far, far, far more prevalent. I mean, I see college teams that don't play man at all, and that's a high percentage. Correct, correct. But it's just far better in the NFL. So receivers really have to learn how to win against man coverage. Uh, secondly, you see a lot more defenses in, in uh, the NFL. When I turn on college tape, with very few exceptions, there's teams here and there, but very few exceptions. When you see a blitz, you're like, oh, my God, they blitzed. Uh-huh. And in the NFL, as you and I both know, you see an awful lot of blitzes, and that impacts coverage. So you see many more coverage schemes. They're far more multiple. And now you have to understand these things before the snap of the ball and very often after the snap of the ball because they change. So now the game becomes mental as well as physical because the way it works in the NFL is if you're not where you're supposed to be as a receiver, the quarterback's not going to throw you the ball. So you have to learn how to beat much better man coverage, and you learn, have to learn how to see the game and understand the game intuitively. Um, I, I, yeah, I'd be interested to know which defenses um, stand out to you as being more – I can tell you this. Whenever I'm evaluating any offensive player at any position, if I see that you know blah, blah, blah versus Ohio State, I'm going there first because I know I'm going to see zone blitzes. I know I'm going to see at least simple disguises. Who, who right. are the defenses? Do you, okay, I need to watch this guy against that defense because I know I'm going to see something a little more patterned after the NFL. You know, one team that just comes to mind right now that I that plays a ton of man coverage is Clemson. Mm, okay. uh, so I know if I'm looking at receivers against Clemson, and also it helps if you're looking at their corners because you're getting to see, like Clemson has a corner this year, we'll get to that you know, down the road, that you want to see because they play man coverage. So uh, that's just one team I can think of right now. They, they play a lot of man coverage. Um, Boy, it's it's. I've been watching so much college tape, and I don't necessarily take note, Doug, of which teams are, are high blitz or are, are low blitz. But, no, but I not just, many, yeah, not I mean, many teams blitz. Yeah, I, I, well, blitz. You know, I'm not talking about blitz per se. Just you know, college defenses that because what we're what we are doing, what you and I are doing when we're looking at college tape, is to evaluate a player's transition to the National Football League. Correct. And the closer you can get to that paradigm, you know, if a, you, you know that an Alabama defensive back is going to understand pattern reading because Nick Saban teaches it from day one. And pattern right. reading is it a hugely, it may be more important in the NFL now than ever because the patterns right. are so much more sophisticated. So yeah, it's not so much blitz as, you know, and Alabama's obviously got their own. Um, you know, defensive concepts that work into that. It's just interesting, you know, schematically, uh, those transitions. I don't want to get too far into that because we have a lot of receivers to cover, Mr. Cosell. And I want to start with, um, before we get to the top two guys, which are obviously Kevin White from West Virginia and Amari Cooper from Alabama, unless you're going to throw a real big upset at me. Um, well, I might because, again, I, they may be the top two guys today. It'll be interesting to see, you know, two or three years down the road. Of course. Uh, you, you know, 
So well, we'll discuss see, that. Assuming hypothetically that at this point in time, on March 27th, 2015, these are the top two guys on our list. When I look at White and Cooper, to me, it's it's one of the more intriguing polish versus potential high ceiling versus potentially low ceiling arguments I, I've seen in a very long time. Um, so I want to start with Kevin White because I decided eventually after a lot of tape that he's my number one guy this year. In, in, in Receivers in this draft class for now. I, you know, he could go to the wrong team and it just, you know, it blows up in his face. But when I look at Kevin White, I see... I see some raw spots, but I see elements of just about every positive attribute you want in a number one receiver in today's NFL. What are your thoughts, pro and con, about Kevin White, where he is in his development, and how far he can go in the right system? Well, obviously he's got what you would look for as far as his size and his movement. Uh, He's big. He plays powerfully. He can run. Now, as as most uh, college receivers, and maybe Amari Cooper might be an exception, but most college wide receivers are unrefined. Yeah. Uh, I always love when I read other people say, "Well, he's not refined." Well, ninety nine percent of them are not refined. Uh, so, uh, Kevin White is certainly not refined, but he's got great burst. He's got long speed. He's an explosive athlete. Uh, he's a combination of powerful and fast. And his sort of body type and movement, um, is, is he somewhat reminiscent of, of someone like a Terrell Owens, just as his body type and his movement? Uh, and again, I'm not saying he's Terrell Owens today, but he's that kind of size and that kind of movement. Now, having said that, I wouldn't say at this point, and he may never be this guy, he's not a quick in-and-out-of-break wide receiver. That's not his strength. No, not at all. He's kind of a speed-cut receiver with a big body. So there's an awful lot to work with with Kevin White. So how quickly can he learn the subtleties of playing wide receiver in the NFL? Yeah, one of the the notes I wrote about him was he could be more sudden in short spaces. He doesn't, like, clock in and clock out of a route. I mean, he's got... No. He does, you know. He needs to work on his body lean. He needs to stick his foot in the ground. I think with a little more definition uh, to sell a slant or a post or any angle route. But then again, when you've got a guy who can, and I've, I've it's funny. I've seen scouting reports where people say he's not a burner. Like, okay, um, you must have had that tape. You, you, maybe you have a problem with your computer. I don't know. But I, I see a guy who can get down the field in a big hurry, and there are a few guys, and he's one of them, if you take one false step, if you take a little too long in your back pedal, you're done. And in White's case, it's not only because he can get past you, but then you have to play catch-up, and if you're not either 6'2", or you don't have incredible leaping ability, he's going to own you on those those 50-50 balls. So to me, that's the other aspect of his play is that you know, is he a quick twitch athlete in short spaces per se? No, and I don't know that he ever will be because I don't know if that's technique or body type. But, you know, I, I'm not sure about Terrell Owens because I think Owens was a physically stronger guy. I sort of look at Kevin White. I didn't want to say Larry Fitzgerald. I'll tell you what he reminds me of. He reminds me of 
kind of a super-sized, super-powered Sidney Rice. Hmm. I mean, he's a more powerful guy. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, again, you, we, we always look for comparisons. Um, you know, the other thing he'll need to work on is, and again, this can be taught. So many things can be coached, as you know. He tends to run his routes a little too upright. He yeah. needs a little more forward lean. He's got a better challenge, vertically challenge off coverage corners. You know, these are the subtleties of route running, which you have to be taught. And if anybody can, can teach them to him, the question is, will he accept the coaching and apply it on the field? Well, based on your knowledge of this type of physically talented receiver with unrefined route concept awareness going into the NFL and learning it, I mean, we're we're trying to put, you know, a kind of a multi-year paradigm on this guy, but do you believe he's workable in that regard? Because the truth, I mean, one of the things I noticed from 2013 to 2014, he the, the drops weren't quite as bad, and he did, right. the route complexity got a little bit better. So that makes me believe that, yes, he can because he has. Yeah, I mean, nothing's a given because it's a whole different game. College and the NFL are two totally different games that don't bear a lot of similarities. Uh so when you're trying to teach someone new material, as I said, it's it'll be taught. It's never a given. But I like Kevin White, uh, and and I think that he's he's a big, physical, powerful, fast receiver. Can he ultimately become that consistent, short, intermediate receiver? And I'm not talking about bubble screens. Right. Uh, can he become that guy? That's the question. Uh, you know, he, he did not see him catch a lot of balls in college working the middle of the field, which doesn't mean he can't do it, but it's that's a learning curve and a process. Yep. Now, the second guy on the list, Amari Cooper, obviously uh, runs a, a, you know, a far wider palette of routes. Uh, no problem over the middle. He's pretty fearless in traffic. Um, he, he well, I just I'll throw a couple of my notes at you. Uh, gets how to use speed, quickness, and body definition to sink into zones and move out of coverage with timing to the quarterback. Uh, smooth glider off the snap with a bit, bit of an extra gear, but won't challenge the top of a defense. No one to break knows when to break off his route. Very consistent in his overall route concepts. Good cut and body lean to accurately run through these concepts. Um, but the final thing, and I, more drops than people may think, because people, oh, he's refined, so he doesn't drop the ball. He dropped a lot of balls. But my, what I, and I really didn't want to limit him when I was evaluating him, but my, my first thought was, could have a low ceiling. And there, you know, this is another thing where you look at a college receiver and you go, okay, he's very refined, he understands the concepts. But I see physical limitations with Amari Cooper as far as, say, third-level speed. You know, taking top off a defense, beating a safety, forcing coverage to his side that you would want as as maybe at least half transferable skills to be that guy in the NFL. Well, I would probably agree with you. I mean, I made a note when I was finished watching it because they'll probably be drafted about the same place. He's not as naturally explosive as, let's say, Sammy Watkins coming out of Clemson last year. No. So he's he's not quite that guy. Um, I think that 
He's got natural quickness as a route runner, very compact movement in and out of breaks. Mm -hmm. that, now, that's the part that's rare for college wide receivers. Most college wide receivers do not move compactly at all. There's a lot of wasted motion. He has almost no wasted motion. And that's a really good thing. Um, he understands pace as a route runner. He understands the purpose of routes and how to set up corners. So he has the subtleties of route running. I'm just not sure. And again, in today's NFL, this we're not suggesting he's not going to come in the league and catch a lot of balls. You know, we're not talking about a player that's that's going to be a bust, but. I'm not sure he's explosive uh, in that sense of the word. He's not Sammy Watkins. He's not Julio Jones when Julio Jones came out of Alabama. You know, is he is he in some ways a, a quicker and slightly more explosive Golden Tate type of receiver? Uh, that's hard for me to say because Golden, when Golden came out of Notre Dame, he didn't have Sammy or um, excuse me, Amari Cooper's route understanding. Be oh, no, and, no question. And part of that he, was that his quarterback right. was so bad that his his main route concept was run straight ahead, jump up to right, catch Right, but I'm, I was just using that as an example of a guy who you don't necessarily think of as purely explosive, but he's become a good route runner. He's good run after catch, uh, which is essentially what Cooper is. Um, and, and you're right. I, I think that he's not that vertically explosive guy. Here's, um, here's what I think Amari Cooper is. I think he... I think he's going to be a high-volume receiver wherever he goes because he understands everything you need to know about making catches in the 5- to 18-yard area. So Correct. So he's going to have more than one 100-catch seasons in the right offense and barring injury. I don't have any question about that because he's going to come in his quarter. I mean, God, if Peyton Manning got a hold of him, he would just completely fall in love because he has – all the attributes that a quarterback like Peyton Manning loves. Because, and, and I spoke about it, you alluded to it, he understands the pace of the throw. He knows where he needs to be. And that's Correct. crucial in the NFL. My question about Cooper beyond the low ceiling is, are we overrating him because he shows NFL necessary and desirable traits when most college receivers don't. And I don't mean we as in you and I, but we as in general. Do you think that receivers... Oh, that's hard to say, uh, receivers because we don't yeah. know where other guys will be down the road. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you hit on a point, though, that I think is really, really important. And, and I think about this whenever I watch players at any position, is how they will be utilized and the team that they go to. Because so much of this is a function of that. And it's also a function of how they're coached. So it's easy to look, not easy, but you look at traits, you look at attributes, but then what team does he go to? How will he be used? Well, you know, it's, Cooper, it's funny Cooper is not, you know, as you say, a, a true vertical threat. You're not lining Amari Cooper up and saying you just run vertical isolation routes on the outside. He will not be successful doing that. It's funny that people say, oh, you, well, you put Kevin White with the Raiders because Kevin White's a downfield guy. Well, Amari Cooper would be a perfect fit in what Oakland's offense is now, which is you have a quarterback who is a volume thrower, who's reasonably efficient in the short to intermediate area, and everything beyond that is, is kind of a toss-up. I mean, Amari Cooper it would be perfect for Derek Carr. So, you know, and, and he may go there. He may go that early. Right. We don't know. But my point with Amari Cooper is I just I don't – 
I, I hear a lot about he's so refined, he's so NFL ready, and I I always admire NFL ready because it's really hard to do, and not a lot of guys do it. But the other NFL ready is a relative term too because yeah. he's not played in the NFL. What they're saying, and they say this about quarterbacks, all they're saying is that he's run routes that are run in the NFL more than perhaps receivers who play in spread offenses. But that doesn't make him NFL ready. Well, no one's NFL yeah. ready. I mean, hopefully when they say that, they also mean other things like, does he understand the, the, the timing of a throw? Can he adapt to different coverages? Can you know and, and Things like that. I just, and, and by the way, those questions we don't know the answer to. Yeah. We don't know about the coverage because they're going to be far more complex. So we don't know the answer to that question. And I think with physical upside in a receiver, um, I, I think that allows you, as long as you eventually get the other stuff down, that allows you to force open those windows just a little bit more. I don't know if Amari Cooper can do that. I don't know that he's yeah. going to be able to take more than what he's given. And the, the other thing to keep in mind is in today's NFL, so many teams throw, a lot of receivers have a lot of catches for yards. There's not 30 great receivers in the NFL. No. So a lot of guys get catches, get yards. That doesn't automatically mean they're great. And I, this, I'm only saying it's not because we're talking about Amari Cooper. Right. Just that it's you have to be careful when you evaluate receivers as to what they really are. And because a lot of guys are going to come in this league from last year's draft class, this year's draft class, and you know what? They're going to have numbers because a lot of teams throw the ball an awful lot. But like I said, there's not 30 great wideouts in the NFL. You look at a Devontae Adams, um, came out of Fresno State last year, went to the Packers, and you know, obviously that's your, that's your dream scenario. If, right. if Devontae Adams went to the Jaguars, sorry Jaguars, sorry Tony Khan, my friend, but you know you guys are in transition and you know it. If he went to the Jaguars, he might be on note cartons. We just don't know. Right, right, and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a function of Devontae Adams. You, no. you, you don't know the answer to that. Nope, not at all. Well, let's go to another Devontae. How do you like my Devontae segue there? Devontae Parker from Louisville, and this is another height, weight, speed guy who... And we're going to start to get into the receivers who... Well, I said this about Sammy Coates on Twitter yesterday. Every time I watch five Sammy Coates plays, I see one great play, one horrible play, and three in the middle. And Parker's kind of like that. I mean... It, he checks all the height, weight, speed boxes. All the, you know, you, you would like him to be a bit more physical. Um, I love the raw speed. I love what he does at times to deal with coverage. But as I as I said before, and I since apparently we were watching the same game this morning, which is kind of hilarious. Um, your thoughts on his overall, his fit, his role in the NFL? What are his attributes, and what does he need to work on? Kind of where is he in his development? Well, he is been one of the most difficult receivers for me to evaluate in this draft Um, because I think sometimes you see some really good things and other times I think he's just a compliment Um, you know he's he's a long kid he's a strider I don't think he's very compact and efficient as a route runner. Even though he's smooth and fluid, I think he has he he needs a lot of work in that area. I think his size and his length at times make him deceptive as a vertical route runner, but there's other times I watch him and I don't think he's explosive at all. Um, Obviously, he's got the ability to make contested catches. He's got soft hands. He's got excellent concentration on the balls in the air. At times, I saw very 
refined sense of route running on go routes. It just so happens we were both watching the game this morning. He had a very nice 31-yard catch against uh, P.J. Williams of Florida State on a vertical route where he went back inside Uh to create room uh, for the quarterback to drop the ball in the bucket. So there's times I, I like what I see, and there's other times I just... I just feel like he's a complimentary type receiver. Um, he didn't play to his time speed, in my opinion, very often. Yeah. Uh, I don't see him as a speed receiver. Uh, you mentioned Devontae Adams. Who do you think is a better prospect coming out of college? Mm. Ooh, that's a tough one. See, I think Devontae Adams was a better prospect coming out of college. I'd have to go back and watch Devontae Adams' tape to answer that question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I mean... Who's a better prospect coming out of college, Devontae Parker or Keenan Allen? Uh, ooh. Well, that, you're dealing with two very different players at that point. Well, I don't know if, to me, they're that different. You know, I, Maybe to you they are, and that's the fun of doing this. I don't know if, to me, they're that different. Well, I think Parker has an entirely different gear. Has an entirely different what? Gear. Entirely different speed gear. Oh, see, I... I don't agree with that. Okay. I don't. I think. I don't think he has an extra gear. Okay. I think he has it. It just doesn't always show up, and that's another thing. Yeah. I wonder if it's a function of technique. You know, consistency. Is he? You know. I mean, I've heard some people compare him to AJ Green, and I don't see oh, that no, no, for no, no, a no. second. No, 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 no. Um, yeah. To me, it's it's he's very undetermined. It's just, I, I don't know. Yeah, so I, I, when I say I struggle with him, I don't mean I don't think he's any good. Yeah. I struggle with my evaluation of him. I'm not sure exactly what he is. No. Um, let's talk about Jalen Strong from Arizona State. This guy's kind of become my binky because when I did the article during the Combine about, um, about receivers who have to transcend horrible quarterbacks, he became my poster child for the article and it's, you know 62217 oh he's not fast so ran a sub 4540 you know said he couldn't get vertically wrong 42 vertical at the combine i mean it, it seems like to me and if we look at you know moneyball principles of finding undervalued assets and turning them into something special in the right um, in the right environment i think if you take jalen strong in and made him a number two, you know, a Z receiver, uh, uh, right. maybe a faster Marcus Colston. I think you might have something really special for a number of years. Well, he's about the same size as a receiver we just mentioned, Devontae Adams. Yeah. Uh, who do you think is a better prospect coming out of college? Um, well, again, I, I, I'd have to go back and review Adams. Right. But, uh, you know, I think there's someone. Yeah, I like Jalen Strong, and I, I think I like him more than Devontae Parker. Um, you know, the big issue with Jalen Strong for me, and again, this gets back to our initial conversation about man coverage, is is he ultimately a guy who's going to have to make contested catches all the time? It is There were games I watched where he really struggled to create separation versus college corners. Yep. Now, is that a red flag, or is that just, hey, we need to learn how to do those things? So uh, receivers who are big and, and, you know, I would say he's, he's got some fluidity to him, but he's certainly not purely explosive. He's got build-up speed, but not burst, and there's a difference. Um, so while I like Strong, again, it's another one of those size guys that you try to figure out, okay, 
what's he going to be in the NFL? Is is you know because if you're going to draft receivers, and, and you know I don't know how teams think, but if if you're going to draft guys, let's say in the top twenty, then you know. And I know teams throw the ball so much now that maybe this delineation of number one receiver loses its its meaning and validity. Uh, but you know, Jalen Strong to me, you know, he's not Des Bryant. Well, to so, me, I I would argue that the you know there may be less of a difference between the number one and the other numbered receivers. But I think at this point in the NFL, with those increased number of throws, I think that the the delineation is. A, harder to read, and B, I agree. far more important than ever. Because when you have, and, and you said there aren't 30 of those receivers in the NFL, I would argue there may not be five in any given year. But among those five, those guys are crucial to your success. They're indispensable. Right. And then, but now you look at certain kinds of offenses. You know, Sean Payton's been doing it for years. Now we have Chip Kelly in the league. And then, you know, more principles in the pass game, perhaps. Uh, with the, like you say, with the exception of those four or five that, that are truly special guys, I don't know if it matters. I mean, you know, it strikes me that if Jalen Strong is going to come in the NFL, and depending on where he goes, he's probably going to put up some numbers. And we're going to say he's a really good receiver. But, again, I don't view him as this anywhere near the same level of prospect, let's say, as Sammy Watkins was last year. Or even Odell Beckham, for that matter, who was my number two last year. And he might have been your number one, as he I was. recall. He was my top guy. Um, after, yeah. The combine just solidified it, but then I went right. back and watched the tape. I assume then Watkins was two. Is that correct uh yeah i think so i mean i wasn't worried right. I, I wasn't at all wild i mean we talked about unrefined I, I i thought he would struggle to to get routes and i think you know um i think jalen strong is gonna he's gonna have to learn you talked about getting separation against man coverage one of the things that amari cooper has is the ability to shuttle down and come back and work in those little pockets and that's something right. Jalen strong is going to have to figure out but he's right. also going to have an enormous advantage in the NFL unless he goes to you know three or four different teams where the quarterback situation is just garbage, where he's not going to be fighting against his own damn quarterback anymore. I mean, you watched no. that Arizona State tape. Those guys were awful. Jesus. It was just like, how, how can we even look at this guy and say, oh, he should have made that catch? You know, it, you put a rocket up his ass, he wouldn't have made some of those catches. So, no, but I mean, I think, you know, getting back to him, yeah. you know, I think you're... There's, you're concerned, and that would be the word I'd use. It's it's not a red flag per se, but you're concerned about the fact that at times he struggled to win against college corners. Yeah. So, you know, is he is he a slot guy? Is he you know what ultimately is Jalen Strong? And I think you have to figure that out. Obviously, you have to have a sense of that if you draft him. But then when you get into camp, you have to you see how it plays out. Um, I think he's a long strider with measured build-up speed, but really not a burst guy. I mean, what's what's uh, how do you compare? And then, and again, you'll say, well, I don't remember, maybe, but how do you compare Jalen Strong to Jordan Matthews? That's actually a really good comp. And Jordan Matthews was the second most productive slot receiver in the NFL last year behind Randall Cobb. And struggled to win against college corners, by the way, when yeah. he was on the outside. Yeah, and what, what the first thing Chip did, and Chip, you know, the reason he traded Deshaun away, he said, was Deshaun can't win against man. I have to have guys who can win against man. He took Jordan Matthews, and my first thought about Jordan Matthews when I watched his college tape was, this guy's fragile. 
he's like going down to ankle tackles and cornerbacks are eating him up. Just said, Chip said, no, 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 no. I'll put him in the slot. And he'll right. catch all these balls. And only and only Randall Cobb caught more passes and more touchdowns in the slot than did Jordan Matthews. So, so and it's a, a perfect guy? example sure. of using a guy properly because Jordan Matthews is not likely to win isolation routes on the perimeter in the NFL. Yeah, I do think that Jalen Strong is more physical. Um, I think he has a better chance to beat press coverage with his body. Um, but I, I do see, and when we say slot guy, I mean, these days, you know, Larry Fitzgerald is a slot guy. Uh, there are a lot of guys who used to be number ones who are now half slot guys because that's just the way it goes. But Correct. I could see that's that's actually a really interesting comp, and it wouldn't surprise me if he's used the same way where they just put him inside and say, okay, you're now, you're our pace setter in that role. Because when you're either a slot receiver or a slot cornerback, last three years in the NFL, you're a starter. You're a de facto starter. That's it. No question. Um, okay, uh, number five guy is, and I, I, I when, uh, I'll, I'll do the comparison, the pro comp, and I'll see if you can guess who I'm talking about. Plaxico Burris. Well, you're probably talking about Torrio Green Beckham. Boom. Yes, indeed. Um, and I made that comparison, too. Really? <laughs> Some, cool. Yeah. I, I, I did speak to someone who, uh, by the way, who said that they thought he was Calvin Johnson. Oh, Lord. Um, okay. Uh, well, don't say, oh, Lord, because it's someone in the NFL. I know. I know. <laughs> I wasn't saying, oh, Lord, in a denigrating fashion. I, just, I was like, oh, Lord, like, wow. Uh, well, I'll throw you a couple of the pros. Um, well, every base trait you want in a top-level receiver. Uh, smooth acceleration off the snap. Sets new next to gear quickly. Aggressive and willing blocker. Can box his own way out of trouble. Sticks his foot in the ground with authority to start routes cleanly and quickly. Um, I would say not a repeatable physical player outside of the splash plays. Must develop a play-after-play mentality. Route understanding is remedial. Uh, won't be able to win against NFL-level coverage without a lot of spatial work, understanding the spaces around him. Um, I think in a vacuum, without all the off-field stuff, you're dealing with a guy who I think would go top 15. I don't know where that's going to put him, and that's not really what we're here to discuss. But, right. um, you know, ideally this is a guy who could win a lot of battles that other receivers just can't because they weren't born and blessed with his physical attributes. He's just ridiculous. Well, now, again, you're dealing with that size issue. He's 6'5", 237, okay? Yeah. So his size and his stride length make him really deceptive as a vertical receiver. He's not quick twitch, but he's smooth, he's fluid, and he can eat up ground in a hurry. And he's not Randy Moss, but I remember when Randy Moss came in the league and he had free access, it seemed like he took three strides and he was 20 yards down the field. Yep. And like I said, back uh, Beckham's not that guy. Uh, he doesn't quite move like Moss, clearly, but he's another guy that, you know, he takes four strides and he's eating up the cushion. He's on top of corners who are in off coverage and he and he can run by them, not because he's a 4-3 guy, because he's on top of them and his stride length is so long. Uh, now, I don't think he's a real physical player. Uh, I think he, he, given his his size and his uh, potential ability to dominate smaller corners, because most are significantly smaller, even in the NFL, uh, I think that uh, he needs to become more physical, a little more competitive. Um, but he's got 
you know, a lot of skills. Uh, you would mention Plaxico Burris. Let's look back to last year. How do you evaluate him compared to Mike Evans and Kelvin Benjamin? Similar-sized players. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you the one play that, and I don't remember, it was, I wish I wrote down which game it was. Um, he had, he'd, been, he'd run sort of vertical route to the right side, and his quarterback got in trouble and had to move to the left. So he's all the way across the field. And I don't know if you saw this play or not. Um, I, I saw every target from 2013, so I saw it. Green Beckham runs across the field to block for his quarterback. And that right. stood in my mind more than any of his catches. Because I know what he can do. You know, you, you see that stuff. You, you, so, you know, is he physical in a Kelvin Benjamin sense? Not in a physical win the battle sense. I would say that he is, at times, ferociously competitive. And I would hope if I'm a GM and I take him that I can build on that. Now, obviously, we have the other concerns. But um, I was, you know... That's the play above all else that stuck in my mind because it's doing the stuff that a lot of guys just won't do. Right. Um, you know, he's he's going to be a tough cover. And again, we're, we're not talking about off the field. We've established that. But he's, he's going to be a tough cover at 6'5", 237. Uh, you know, to me, he's a guy where the 40 time is not that relevant because he's not his, – his stride length – uh, and his ability to eat up ground is so great that you know he doesn't have to be a four-four guy. Although he uh, is, and, he, and he's <laughs> big, and he's really big. Yeah, but here's uh, the thing, so, Greg. He is. He ran a four-four-three at six-five-two-thirty-seven, and that was during right. a slow year at the combine. So right. he is a four-four guy. That's the thing. And right. I've but, seen some people question his effort, and I wonder. I'm not. I'm not saying this about our specific evaluation, but. It may be, I'm just throwing this hypothesis out there, that given his past and given the ease with which he takes up space, that maybe people look at him and go, oh, he's not trying as hard as other guys. When It's not so much he doesn't have to. It's just that it doesn't occur to him because with every step he takes, he covers three yards when other guys cover one and a half. Right. So th- this guy is... You know, potentially with his skill set and his size, uh, you know, he could be the best receiver in this draft. Uh, you know, if all things fall into place, just from a talent standpoint. Uh, but he's he's that size. That's that's what you start. And I started that when we we began. Is all these bigger receivers add an element now? And this guy is, is a little freakish. The other guys aren't freakish. This guy's a little freakish. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think as opposed to a lot of guys with his height, and I think it's more height than weight that, that causes some guys to just not be really quick in short areas, I've seen him sort of get smaller, so to speak, when he has to and, and make those quick cuts and you know jab his foot in the ground and make a decisive cut. You know, I, I think I think he runs hot and cold on the field if you know if he gets with the right team, Oh, boy. Yeah, the governor could be off. And, I, you know, the Calvin Johnson thing, it kind of made me laugh at first, but I'm thinking about it more and more. I'm like, yeah, actually, you know yeah, what? Yeah, I mean, He's got you know, the potential to be that good. He really does. No question. And I have no idea where this kid's going to get drafted. Yeah. Zero idea. Me either. I mean, he's not going to be drafted in the sixth round. But, uh, yeah, it, it's... it's um, 
he's he's a he's a confounding guy. Um, Very sure. Um, okay, let's try this again. I'm gonna give you another comp, and you tell me which college receiver I'm talking about. Torrey, oh boy, Tory Smith. Tory Smith. Well, he's he's a, a vertical speed guy. So who who you're not? Uh, Sammy Coates. But you're two for two. Dang. You are two for two. Um, yeah, it, uh, it, through my notes, legitimate deep threat with several important attributes in that regard. Straight line speed, can jostle cornerbacks and establish position downfield. The one thing that impresses me about Coates, and we're going to talk about you know, the lack of route awareness and how raw he is. When we say speed receiver, I think a lot of us immediately assume not as physical. This guy's pretty rocked up. I don't know if he can get any more rocked up. But he I've met can't. Sammy Coach. He was at the Maxwell dinner. He's a great, great kid, too. Yeah, He's an unbelievable kid. I like him more than maybe some people do. And I may rate him higher in my final whatevers than some people do. Because, you know, is he a number one guy? I don't know. But in today's NFL, those quote-unquote complimentary players, well, they make Pro Bowls, too, because they're catching 80 balls. And this is a guy who could average 16 yards a catch in the NFL. He's just, he's straight ridiculous in a lot of ways. Now, uh, the, the note I made was Auburn's passing game at times was have Sammy run deep and jump up and catch the long pass. So he's, you know, the cuts and routes, there's way too much schoolyard in his game. Um, I don't know how he's going to do against press, but this is a guy, again, in a vacuum, and it depends a lot on where he goes. How do you think he best fits in the NFL? Well, I think you're talking about an explosive vertical receiver who can take a top off the defense with a stride and his long speed. This kid can run. He's very straight line and linear in his movement. I think a little tight-hipped, so he's not an in-and-out-of-break quickness receiver. A couple of things regarding his vertical ability. He tends to look for the ball too soon on his vertical routes, and that reduces his speed and often allows the corner to recover. Now, that can be taught, mm-hmm. but that's what he does now. Yeah. Uh, I, I think there were times he did not show the consistent ability to track the ball well on vertical routes and then struggled at times with his hand-eye coordination. Uh, they were, you know, but he clearly teased with his ability to make difficult hands catches when he went deep. Yep. Uh, so, you know, he's a limited receiver at this point, but his combination of size and big-time speed will be seen as early-round traits, Doug. That's the way it works in the NFL. See, we were He's got size, speed, and explosive big playability. That, that, that gets guys drafted in this league. See, he excites me in a lot of the ways that Sammy Watkins excited me because I'm just looking at raw potential. Oh, uh, see, I, I, to me, there's no comparison, but uh, that's okay. I mean, so just as far as raw size, speed, potential. I, th- All right, so let me ask you a question. Who's a better prospect coming out of college, Sammy Coates or Martavis Bryant? Uh, in my mind, Sammy Coates. And I would disagree with you. Yeah, but I'm higher on Sammy Coates than a lot of people because I, I, I it, it's you know maybe I had a particularly good breakfast or something. You just see some tape that makes you positive on a guy, and I'm I'm really really high on him. I would you know again in the right system. Um. This this is you know he's he's as Josh Snyder likes to say he could t- he has the potential to tilt the field. 
Um, you know, is he going to Without be... question. Oh, no, no. He can... This kid's explosive, and he's big, and he's rocked up. I mean, he's not a small kid. And that's that's one of the things that sort of turned my head was I would you know I would accept his pure speed and his speed potential if he's six one two twelve if he was you know five eleven one ninety I'd say well I'd, I'd take that in the third round but all well, of a sudden speaking of that guy yeah. speaking of that guy what do you think of Philip Dorsett? Uh, now, there's a guy who can take the top off a whole bunch of stuff. That guy is a blur. He really is. Um, well, let's, we're, I, I want to, you know, I have an order of things, but we do what we do. So no, tell, you can, hey. No, whatever, no, no, tell us Whatever about, works for you, Mr. Farrar. You, you're running the show here. I'm just, I'm just a singer in a rock and roll band. Well, let's go rogue. Let's kick out the jams and talk about Philip Dorsett. Now, Philip Dorsett is just, he's, he's the most explosive mover in this class. Uh-huh. I mean, his his quickness and his burst is, is ridiculous. He's an instant accelerator. He goes to zero to 60 in, in an absolute heartbeat. You know, he can take the top off any coverage. So the question is, is he Deshaun Jackson? Well, I mean, the, the, the larger question is, we've, Every year we hear about at least one of these guys. Some draft, right. there are three of these guys. And right. the percentage of those guys who actually fit, I mean, Deshaun could make it because he had and then developed other attributes. Torrey Smith had and developed other attributes. So what are I mean, I haven't watched a lot of Dorsett. You've probably watched more than I have, so you tell me. Where, well, where is he? obviously he's a smaller-sized guy. Not tiny, but smaller-sized and very explosive movement. So, who do you think of? Because, again, you're trying to transition these guys to the league. You think of Deshaun Jackson. Mm-hmm. You think of T.Y. Hilton. I mean, is... is That's, is I'd Phil- probably go more T.Y. Yeah, he's 5'10", 185, ran a 4'2'8". I mean, I would go T.Y. And, 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 and he's one of the few receivers who plays at that speed. See, yeah. a lot of these guys play the way they time. And then that's... That's why 40 times to me, uh, it's it's one of my pet peeves uh, about the combine and the, the discussion of players as if the 40 time tells you what he is as a football player. Uh, 99.9% of the time, those 40 times are irrelevant. This guy plays at that speed. He's a blur. Yeah. So uh, there's a place for this guy in the NFL. Now, now you're getting back to deployment and utilization, which is so critical, as we've discussed many, many times. Well, when when they got T.Y. Hilton and in that particular offense, you knew you know there was a history of getting those. Bruce was in Indianapolis when they drafted him, right? T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, he's going into his third year, correct? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, okay. Um, so. You knew that, okay, there's a smaller speed receiver. Well, we know for a fact that Bruce Arians is going to know how to implement that. And I remember when the, right. when the Seahawks played the Colts a couple years back, and there was that long, it was a deep, deep, deep post. And Richard Sherman was playing press bail, or he was playing off bail. You're talking about the 73-yarder? Yeah. and I remember it really well. He went by Sherman like, you know, it was it was... Like Sherman was Wiley Coyote and T.Y. Hilton was a roadrunner. And it was right. those, like demonstrable, this is what speed means in the NFL, guys. So, yeah, it, you know, it, it could be. So the question with a guy like Dorsett, and obviously T.Y. Hilton has become an outside receiver as well, although yeah. I believe that they really want him to be a slot guy in, in an ideal world. 
Is Dorsett a slot receiver due to his size, or can he line up outside with his elite speed? I mean, clearly Deshaun Jackson lines up outside. Uh-huh. But he's the most explosive receiver in this draft class. He, and he's more, to me, I'm not suggesting he's a big-time receiver in every way, but... You know, Miami had a lot of uh, pro concepts in their past game, so yeah. he ran a lot of different routes. So I think he's more than just a, a you know, vertical guy. But he's, 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 to me, one of the most intriguing guys in this class. And, again, I'm not suggesting he's a first-round pick, but, you know, this kind of speed, is there's not a lot of guys like this. How would you compare him, and, and, and the player I'm about to compare him to is more muscular, and certainly more mercurial. How would you compare him, just in an impact sense, to Percy Harvin? Well, oh, that's a, that's an interesting comparison. The problem with Harvin is, you know, he never was truly a receiver in a strict sense, and I think that's hurt him in the league yeah. in the way he's been utilized. Teams can't seem to find the best way to use him. Um, you know, Harvin was more, is far more powerful. Harvin, to me. Despite his, the fact he's what six feet is a powerful man. Right. Um, Dorsett's not a powerful man. Right. He's he's a blur, but he's not a powerful man. But I mean, as far as that blur potential, um, lining him up in different spots and utilizing him in different ways, that kind of thing. You see, but Dorsett is also big enough to be a true receiver. In other words, he's bigger and more of a true receiver than someone like Tavon Austin, who I loved uh-huh. and and you know has has started last year to show some of the things that. I thought he could do, but Dorsett's more of a, a I think, a, a true receiver than than Austin, although I think Austin can, can do that too. But uh, Dorsett's interesting. He's a very interesting player. So he's more of a – because these guys that define – these speed guys that define positions, I've just started calling them mascots. So he's more than a mascot. He, you know, he, he has delineated his role in the NFL as far as I am a receiver. I'm a T.Y. Hilton. I'm not just a guy who runs – Right, around. right. Okay. okay. Well, uh, hey, you know, you just ranted about uh, field speed versus time speed. It's so funny. We're going to talk about Brashad Perriman now. And is four two five at the pro day, and it's and I don't. You may completely disagree with me, but when I wrote him up, I, all my notes, one of the things I said was may not have the pure burst and acceleration to be a top class receiver. Could be better cast as a complementary threat. Um, a, a bit logie in his breaks at times. He's not a sudden mover except in a straight line. This to me was an example of a guy whose time speed. Okay, that that's great, but then I turn on the tape. I don't see four two five. I, I don't see four four five at times. What are your thoughts on Perriman? Well, we would disagree on Perriman because okay. I think down the road he has a chance to be the best receiver in this draft. Wow. Okay. Um, I really like Perriman on film a lot, and I would disagree with you. I think he had the movement of a smaller receiver. I thought, given his body type, which is really good, uh, I thought that he was pretty sudden for a guy that way. Um, he's got an NFL body, to me, with a very good height-weight-speed combination, and I didn't even know his 40-time when I watched him. So I'm not talking about 40-time. I'm talking about watching him on film. Uh-huh. He's long. He's a, There's a lot to work with. I think he's got all the physical tools and traits NFL teams look for. Uh, he played big. He played powerfully. Um I don't think that he's 
Julio Jones coming out of Alabama, but I thought that in his size and his overall movement, he was somewhat similar. So I really like Rashad Perriman. Yeah, I should uh, I should throw a couple of pros in there because people are going to think, oh, he's just denigrating Perriman. Uh, long wingspan, knows how to use it to beat close coverage for contested catches, runs off the snap well, digs his foot in to start a route, big and physical enough to deal with press, gain consistent yards after the catch. Um, so if we're going to hypothesize that he's a pure speed guy, and based on the tape... I've well, I don't got, see him as a pure speed guy, yeah. but I think, yeah. And I'm not ready to stipulate that, but there's more to him than just that. I want to I make that very clear. I'm not, you know, I'm just talking about the four two five, and I didn't see right, that. Right, yeah, I, I did see that the other day, and, and I, I don't know whether that helps him or not in the draft, but... Um, to me, he's a big, strong, well-built receiver with powerful movement, strong hands, and and a little more suddenness than you think. I mean, he ran some routes, and again, as we started with this, it's college corners. We know that, but everybody's playing against college corners. Uh, he, he ran some vertical routes where he stuck his foot in the ground and he took off. So uh, I, I like him. I think that down there, and again, I don't know the kid. You know, I don't know any of these kids, so I don't know what their work ethic is like. I don't know any of that stuff. But just seeing him on film, I think there's traits there that, depending on situation, depending on development, he could be a very, very good player. Well, before we get to the kind of the lightning round of these guys, you've talked to a lot of coaches, a lot of GMs, a lot of team presidents over the years. When And Mayak always says, fast guys run fast, slow guys run slow. When a fast guy runs slow or a slow guy runs fast, that's when it's news. But... Um, how much, I mean, has anyone ever told you flat out, yeah, if a guy runs a 40 like that, not, not just it makes us go back to the tape, but we actually take that into consideration? Because I would be yeah, very I, surprised. Absolutely. Teams do. Absolutely. Hey, my opinion is not relevant as far as teams. Um Teams absolutely take that into consideration. And, and by the way, where it probably means something is not the time itself, but the athletic movement that is reflective of that time. I mean, if, if this kid, if it's truly a four, what was it, a four two five? If if he really truly ran a four two five, uh, you know, relatively speaking. That tells you something about his movement ability. Now, he may not play that. Hardly anybody plays at 4-2-5. We know that. But it it speaks to the fact that for a kid who's about 6-2-2-16 or 2-18, which is pretty good size, as you know, if he actually – you know, hey, it's like when Don Terry Poe ran a 4-9-7 at the combine, okay? The fact that he ran a 4-9-7 is not relevant for his position, uh, but – you kind of say to yourself, well, for a guy that big to move like that, 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 that's pretty good. So it just speaks to athletic movement. And this kid's big and powerful looking. So we're obviously dealing with a guy that has perhaps, perhaps high-level athletic traits. And he's certainly working his butt off because you can't, you know, sit on the couch and eat barbecued ribs and run a four-two-five. Even if it's a well, I can. I don't know if you can, but oh, you can run a four-two-five after that. Okay. In about 10 seconds. Oh, okay. I was going to say, as long as that wasn't actually like a 37-yard dash. Yes. We... In 10 yards, I can run a 4-2-5. Okay. You, yeah. We, uh, we really appreciate your two-yard split, Greg. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, one guy, and I remember when Marquise Lee came out, and everyone, oh, he's the next Reggie Wayne. 
and I, I always balk at things like that. And I'm not sure I, I'm not I'm not sure I'd go there with Nelson Aguilar, but to me he's one of the more intriguing guys in this draft class. I really like the fact that he is able I mean, there are times when he just frustrates me to the point where I'm nuts about it because he you know, he disappears for long stretches of time. And then he'll come up and either outside in the slot, he looks like that smooth, prototypical, not a West Coast receiver per se, but he can be a volume guy. He can make spectacular plays. I just don't know that he's, you know, is he a third-round guy? Is he a second-round guy? What is his upside potential because of those disappearing stretches? And I just wanted to get your, you know, what have you seen from him on tape? Because I've watched him so much, and it's just I'm, I'd like to get your kind of cross check on that because I think he could be great, and I think he could be entirely average. Well, I liked him, but I think that he's most effective working out of the slot. Yeah. Uh, to me, he's you know he's got a lean build. He's naturally quick. He's got good hands. I think he's got the skills and understanding to be a good route runner. I thought that he did a, a really good job of knowing how to present himself as a viable target versus both man and zone. Uh, he worked the middle of the field from the slot really effectively, made some tough catches in traffic. I think he's got some quickness with the ball in his hands. To me, he's a slot guy. And again, what that means as far as draft status, that's always hard to answer. I don't know where he'll be drafted, but I think he could be a very good player in that role. Yeah, I think so too. Um yeah, six foot, one ninety eight. He's, he's got sub four four speed. Um, he's an interesting guy. One guy I I watched a little bit, and I want so I'm going to lean on you here is Devin Smith from Ohio State. Um, this is another guy who. I guess, burner tendencies, so to speak. But what are your overall thoughts on him? He's a speed guy. I mean, I think that his game at this point is totally reliant on speed. I don't think there's a lot of nuance at this point. Um, My sense watching him was he'll have to learn how to get off press coverage. He's long, he's lanky, he doesn't have much body strength. Um, He has the commodity you can't teach, which is speed. Uh, I'm sure some will again say to John Jackson with his vertical explosion and his strong reliance on that speed. Um, He's effortless, uh, but that's what he is. And so now you have to decide, uh, can he be more than that down the road? Um, I thought that almost every throw got into his body, and he had a number of easy drops. So mm-hmm. that's always a little bit of a concern when you transition a receiver to the NFL. Well, let me ask you this, because we just talked about Perriman and you know what a four-two-five does to a guy. When a guy like Devin Smith, who has to rely on his speed, runs a four-four-two at the combine, what do, what does that do? Um, you know, I think you watch the tape, and then here's a kid who does play fast on film. Like, he plays faster on film than Perriman plays on film. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, but Smith is, is a straight-line speed guy. He's an easy accelerator. That's what he is. Mm-hmm. He, he just runs go routes and a lot of deep crossers where he can run away from coverage. Uh, do I think at this point you can line him up outside the numbers and he's going to win isolation routes against NFL corners? I don't think he's going to do that. One guy I really, he was in my second level of players to watch, and I really kind of warmed up to him. And he, he reminded, because I guess he reminds me of a player I'm pretty familiar with, and Doug Baldwin is Rashad Green from Florida State. I think this is a guy, um, I said in my notes, depending on the system, can line up credibly at X, Y, and slot. Um, 
not a burner, but has a smooth gliding stride with a second gear when he gets open. Tracks the ball very well. You know, he's a lean guy. He's he's. I I, I would imagine you'd think he'd probably be mostly a slot guy in the NFL. But he's, you know, he can make contested catches. I think he's a field-aware player who sinks into zone coverage and uh, other openings. Um, you know, is he a high-ceiling guy? I Probably not. But I think in the right system, he's going to be a very reliable target. Yeah, I mean, to me, he's a very efficient intermediate route runner. He's got short area quickness. He just looks like a smooth and comfortable player. Yeah. He knows how to run routes. He knows how to set up corners. Um he worked the middle of the field very effectively. A lot of his catches came on in-breaking routes, which yep. projects well. Um, I, you know, to me, and the problem with a guy like this is he's 5'10", 182, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. He, he, but he has the look of a prof- professional wideout with a smooth route running, his understanding of how to beat both man and zone. But he's got the this, this very thin frame. Uh, but he's got a relatively complete skill set, as you said, with, with the exception he doesn't have burner speed. Yeah. Uh, so how does a 5'10", 182-pound wideout fit in the NFL? But this kid's pretty, pretty – you know, you can make the argument that after uh, Cooper or right there with Cooper that this guy's the most refined route runner in, coming into this draft class, you know, coming into the league. I would, I would assert that. I would agree with that. I think so. Well, um, let's see. Doug Baldwin, I'll, I'll go back to that comp, came out of Stanford. He was 5'10", 189, 4'48", speed. And the way they've used Doug is, you know, because they were, they're were they still looking for that number one receiver, and they probably got it in their tight end now. Um, right. He's an outside guy who I think for the most part was miscast as an outside guy and is best in the slot. He's best as that quote-unquote complimentary player, but it's a really good compliment, and I could see him having the same sort of effect on the right kind of team. Yeah, I like Rashad Green a lot, and I actually started watching him two years ago just because, you know, he's he's one of those guys that seemed like he'd been in college for 10 years, even though I guess, you know, he played basically three years, and um, uh, he's a four-year starter, actually. Yeah. I mean, he had 51 starts. I, I, I always just research guys' backgrounds when I start watching them. You know, I don't like to read anything else about them, but just their sort of their bio. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he had 42 consecutive starts in his final three seasons. The guy's a very refined player. Uh, he's just small. But, you know, I think this guy's a very good receiver. I think he plays slightly bigger than he is. Well, I mean, you're going to watch him because I think his quarterback is somewhat prominent. I, people are sort of talking about his quarterback a little bit. His quarterback is popular. Let's put it that way. There you go. Yeah, his quarterback is popular. Um, a guy whose quarterback is less popular is Devin Funches from Michigan. Um, and this is 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 he Kelvin Benjamin? You know, I don't know what to make of this guy. To be honest with you, another big really receiver. <laughs> You know, and they're tough evaluations because, you know, their movement tends to be measured, not explosive, yet their size always presents some deceptive speed and the ability to make contested catches. Um, You know, I really, I really struggle with him. I mean, I know a lot of people think he's a tight end. You know, and I think much of your evaluation of him depends on your view of size as and, and what it means in the NFL. I think I don't think he moves as well as Kelvin Benjamin. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't th- I don't think he's quite as fluid as Kelvin Benjamin. 
I think this guy's kind of a, a one-speed receiver. You know, he's he's not not fluid or smooth, but I don't think he's uh, uh, you know I don't think he's at, the, at a high level of that. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh... I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see where he's drafted because I'm just being honest. I, I can't get a great feel for this guy. Yeah, one guy that I have. I'm seeing him rank like 5th at 12th to 17th, and a lot of that's his school. He went to William & Mary as Trey McBride, and I'm trying to get my notes on him up here. Well, just before you get to your notes on him, there's actually a receiver from a small school who I like more than Funchess. Okay. But I know the small school is going to hurt him, and that's a kid named Desmond Lewis from Central Arkansas who's also very big. Okay, uh, yeah. And I like him as a prospect more than, than Devin Funchess. 6-4-2-14, ran a four five eight at the Combine. He, him I have not watched, so right. Oh. Uh, I like this kid. Uh, you know, as, as, and again, he's a prospect because he's Central Arkansas. But I, I, I watched him and I like him. What do you like about him? Um, I think that he's very. He, to me, he's smoother and more fluid than Funches. Uh, very good mover for his size and frame. Um, now, you're going to hear the same questions, which you always hear about bigger receivers and small school receivers. Can he separate and get open versus NFL man coverage? Hard to know the answer to that. Uh, certainly did not have to run many routes where you saw subtle, nuanced route running. Um, you know, what's his role? In some ways, I thought of him as a Marcus Colston-type receiver in the NFL. Can he work the middle of the field with his size and hands like a Marcus Colston? Yeah, you know that's the way I saw him after I watched him. Well, I'm trying to find my notes on Trey McBride. Oh, here we go. Uh, press pros and receiver drills. Uh, excellent return man with impressive ability to get vertical on contested catches. When I put his stuff on, my first thought was, why didn't a big school snap him up? And second, I think he has. Again, this is six zero two ten. Ran a four four one forty, but I think a lot of those, you know, the the height weight speed thing, and of course you're not going to know until he gets to the NFL because he went to William and Mary. No offense, William and Mary, but this is a guy who, with his, you know, he's fast enough. He's physical enough. Well, actually, I like his physicality a lot. He can make, uh, you know, he's, he's a he's a plus vertical athlete. I think. And maybe it'll take a while with different coverages for him to to get in there. But to me, if there's one receiver who can sneak in from a small school in the middle rounds and make an immediate impact based on pure physical characteristics, it's Trey McBride. Because the more I watched his tape, the more I thought, okay, isolate him, don't deal with the stuff around him and the guys who will never make the NFL. Just look at what he brings to the table. And I think he's got a complete palette that could really fit well in the league. Yeah, I thought he was at his best um, as kind of a one-cut guy where he could plant and burst. I thought that was his strength as a route runner. Um, I didn't think he was like a sink-your-hips kind of route runner. Uh, He was pretty quick. I think he was pretty smooth. Um, I may be in the minority here. I thought that he was not quite as vertically explosive as some think he is. Uh, But... I'm sorry. I would agree with that, but I think he's underrated as a guy in the intermediate area who can be physical, who can box out right. and make that catch. 
I think that's now, the question again with him is: Do you see him lining up on the outside? Sometimes, I think. I think, and you know, I think as we go on in the NFL, and the the designation between outside and slot blurs more and more, you're going to get guys who because now slots become kind of for corners and receivers. You used to be outside. You're getting a little older now. You're in the slot. Correct. I think Jordan Matthews is an excellent precursor of what we're about to see, which is a volume slot receiver right out of right. college. That's your – we don't even – we tried you outside and you sucked, so we're going to move you inside. No, 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 no. You're a slot guy from day one. Um, right. This is a guy who I think could be a hybrid. He, you know, Depending on the package, certainly depending on the team, uh, he could do either one. Yeah, no, I thought there's a lot of traits that flashed on film for sure. Um, things that need to be worked on, which is the case with all. Um, you know, I did make the point that I thought he'd probably be better off starting as a slot receiver. Uh, but I think you make a good point about a slot and outside. They, they tend to get blurred because of uh, of offensive systems and then how receivers are used. Um this kid has, you know, he's got some positives. He's got a lot that you look at and think, okay, I can make this guy into a quality NFL wideout. Yep. Um, who else have you watched? Who else would you like to I've watched a, a lot of guys. Okay. I mean, probably 10, 15 more guys than we've talked about. <laughs> have you seen uh, Justin Hardy? I have. East Carolina kid, 5'10", 192. Um, what are your thoughts about him? Uh, Justin Hardy. I think that... Um, now, he's he's five ten one ninety two. Okay, which I think you just said he's mm-hmm. not. He doesn't have naturally explosive traits. I don't think so either. You know, he's not a quick twitch kid, but he's got some some deceptive quickness and movement. Um, uh, in some ways, and I don't think he's as good, but in some ways, he's like Rashad Green, and he's smaller than desirable. Uh, for a receiver, but he's got very good route quickness. Uh, they played in totally different offenses, but their skill sets and size are somewhat equivalent. Um, so I think this kid is, you know, he's more quick than fast. Uh, he's got the perfect profile of a short intermediate route runner. He's a chain mover. That's the kind of receiver that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, Jameson Crowder from Duke, and this was another guy who I had to adjust my eyes because, God, the football was being sprayed all over the place, but a <laughs> um, couple notes on him. Very good at getting free from press. Uh, practice at moving underneath coverage and finding small pockets in zone. Natural pick player with an adeptness. And the more I thought about him, the more I thought Broncos, Broncos, Broncos. Reminded me a little bit of Harry Douglas. What are your thoughts on him? Well, and I, it's funny. You, you, I, the final note I made on him was, could he be utilized much the same way Randall Cobb is utilized for the Packers? Yeah. I could see that. I could totally see that. I mean, he's, you know, I think he'd be really effective running option routes out of the slot in the NFL. You saw some of that at Duke. I think he's a quickness receiver. Um, you know, obviously in college, there were a couple of times he did run by corners, but I don't think he's going to run by NFL corners on a consistent basis. He really snapped in and out of his breaks on short and intermediate routes, and I think that's what he would need to do in the NFL. One of the things that really stood out, and, and this is, Depending on where he goes, I mean, if you're in Seattle, it's certainly a requirement. 
I, I wrote, he had a natural feel for staying open when a play extends. Would be nice fit in any passing game with a mobile quarterback. And some guys just don't get that. Some guys who have been in the league for five years don't get it. That when your quarterback breaks off, you have to respond to that. That's a part of your responsibility. Right. And I like the way he did that a lot. So, yeah, that's... Yeah, and, and he's another guy who's more quick than fast, which often transitions better to the slot in the NFL. And, of course, his size. You know, he's small. So that's the strength of his game. Route quickness, quick twitch would change your direction. That's what he is. Yep. Uh, I'll do one more because we could go on for, you know... Oh, hours. I know. I mean, there's, a, there's always a ton of receivers. <laughs> uh, Tyler Lockett from Kansas State. I mean, uh, a speed guy. I thought surprising route definition... Um, basically, anytime he's free, he's he's a threat to take it to the house. But you know, the more I watched, the more I thought real trouble with contested catches, and he gets a little T Rexish in traffic. And um, I'm not entirely sure how well that's going to work, especially against press coverage, um, shorter windows, more aggressive defenders. You know, we talk about guys who could get sort of blocked out by what the NFL brings defensively. I think right. he might be a pretty good example of that. Yeah, and to me, another guy that was more quick than fast, I saw him um, probably as a slot guy. And again, I, I, you know, I know, and your point's still valid about guys not just playing the slot. Um, I think he's but that's have the way I be, saw him. I think given the amount of physical um, stuff you're going to have to deal with as an outside receiver in the NFL, I think he almost has to be there. You know, because you come back to how many receivers with locket size or high-level NFL players. I, I don't see him as T.Y. Hilton. No. Uh, so, ultimately, is can he be a good player in the league? I, in the right situation, I think he can. But I think that, ultimately, he's he's got to be a short area quickness guy and that's sometimes I thought I saw that I, you know sometimes I, I watched him and went wow he's quick other times I watched him and thought wow he's a little more measured than, than quick so uh, I'm not exactly sure uh, what he is in the NFL but I think there'll be a place for him you know, there's so many receivers now, Doug, and that, that's the thing. And there's there's roles for guys, uh, depending on the team that they go to. There's roles for players. Yep. Uh, I want to finish up with two questions from uh, our Kickstarter friends. Uh, number one, this is kind of an interesting question. How can you or Mr. Cosell tell if a big receiver is meant to be an X or a Z, um, like a Marvin Harrison versus a slot receiver? Is it strength to get off jam or speed? And it's like, oh, uh, go ahead. I mean, uh, you know, uh, just just to be real simple, uh, the X is the receiver who lines up on the line of scrimmage, and the Z is the receiver that's off the ball on the tight end side, just as a basic cliff notes thing. So your Z receiver can move. He can go in motion. So the Z receiver is normally the movement receiver in an offense. The X receiver is right on the line of scrimmage because there's no tight end on that side. So the X receiver 
is normally running routes where he can be pressed more because he's right on the line of scrimmage, and he's often running isolation routes because there's no other receiver to that side. And I'm talking base personnel here. There's no other receiver to that side. So he's running isolation routes. He's not running combination routes in tandem with another receiver. The Z receiver is on the tight end side, so he's running combination routes very often in tandem with a tight end. So a Z, uh, an X on the line of scrimmage, he's got to be able to get off press, and he's got to be able to win versus man coverage because he's going to get man coverage more than probably a Z-type receiver where the defense is also going to do some combination stuff on that side of the field. So an X receiver is, is going to have to win against man. Yeah. Um, and then one more quick question. <laughs> this is from Don. Uh, more conceptual question. And this, you know, feel free to... Uh, to summarize your answer, because it's a it's a huge discussion question, are tight ends and running backs running wide receiver routes because they're getting lighter and or faster, or are offensive coordinators getting more creative? I think it's the second one. Uh, I think all through the years there's been guys who probably could do that. And then I also think it's natural evolution. You're seeing more uh, – tight ends who are receivers, because that's also what the college game is, is putting out, which raises a fascinating question as to where the NFL game is going to go, because if there's fewer great quarterbacks coming in the league, fewer quarterbacks who are ready to play, is the NFL going to transition to a more of a running game, and maybe tight ends who can block on the line of scrimmage, not that they're going to be top 10 picks, but are they going to become more important offenses, because... I mean, I had this conversation with a head coach in the league uh, talking about where the quarterback position is going, and I asked him point blank with some of these guys who play college quarterback coming in the league, you're going to want to drop these guys back 35, 40 times in a game? And he said, hell no. So the question is, are we going to see, you know, not with everybody, but with some of these quarterbacks that are up in years, whether it's Manning, Brady, Breeze, you know, even Roethlisberger and Rivers and those guys, uh, and you start getting quarterbacks who are not like that, and don't play in NFL offenses in college, are we going to see a return to the run game and maybe a change in what in the tight end position? Yeah. Yeah, and it's that that's it's it's a constant evolution. Uh, well, we kept you over, Greg. This is maybe the longest. Podcast. That's okay. There's, and I'm sure people listening are going to say, "Why do you need to talk about this receiver? Why do you need to talk about that receiver?" Because we don't have a five lot of receivers. <laughs> I'm just going to throw out as we finish one name receiver. I really like. Okay. I really like uh, Fresno State kid Josh Harper. Okay. I don't know if you saw him. I have not. Well. I'm going to say this to wrap up. I finished watching Harper and said, can he become an Antonio Brown type of receiver with experience and coaching? And I want people to remember that Antonio Brown was the sixth round pick and the 195th player chosen. Mm Mm-hmm. Very intriguing. Very intriguing. Yeah, and that's, that's part of the deal. It's part of the, you know, how difficult this is. Um, if we could evaluate those guys, uh, everyone would do it. And we would, you just, you never know yep. where they're going to wind up. But that's the fascinating part of this. And uh, thank you very much again for another fascinating podcast, the Doug Farrar and Greg Cosell Chalk Talk Football Podcast, sponsored by Walter Football and Jake Liskow, supporter of football arts, which is my favorite tagline of all time. Greg, thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, Doug, appreciate it. Thanks.